0: Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England message of the week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. Well, this morning, without further ado, we have the Word of God for you. Are you ready? I'm ready, and I'm born again ready this morning. The title of the sermon series for the month is Send Me, which is a very appropriate thing for missions. The title of the message today is called The Missions Offering. Get ready. Are you ready? I hope so. Often missions is something we divorce ourselves from. Our missions giving is like what I could consider an alimony payment to appease guilt versus an intentional investment into the global mission of God. This defines some people. This defines some churches. But I can say from experience, and my wife as well, as missionaries who were once supported by Bethel New England, that that is not the case for Bethel New England. Bethel New England has always been a church that believes, invests, and supports the cause of missions at home and abroad. And so I want to encourage us as a church today, and for those that have become newbies to the church community at Bethel, New England, we want to invite you and encourage you to learn to give to the cause of missions. See, missions is not built only on large amounts of money but as you can see from the BGMC collection that is done by our children, that the cause of missions is fueled literally by pennies from children all across the United States. Missions is supported by faith promises that come from widows and widowers who pledge even small amounts if it's $5 or $10, but they strategically and systematically give and pray for the cause of missions so that the cause of Jesus could be advanced. This morning, as was stated by Pastor Josh, that those that love and serve the Lord, their hearts overflow with gratitude and generosity. Oftentimes, when churches talk about money and finances, people get a little bit nervous. All the church wants from me is my money. (laughs) If that is the way you think, you are missing the greatest blessing of your life. For the people that are part of Bethel, New England, that give to missions and the cause of missions, every single one of them can testify to you, of how God has blessed them in ways beyond their own human understanding. Come on. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8 through 9, we see Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He's trying to correct their understanding of finances, money, giving to church, and giving to missions. There was a special offering that was being taken up for Jerusalem. The people there had been going through quite a major famine, and so the poor church in Macedonia managed to raise a very generous offering for the need that was represented in the church in Jerusalem. Now the church in Corinth, they had also taken up a missions offering, but because they were from a wealthy area, Paul began to scratch his head. He said, I heard the amount that was given. Something must have gone wrong with the offering. You may have given $5, but I thought you were about to give $5,000. And so Paul writes the following to the church in Corinth. He says, I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus To your love, I am hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor, and we became rich. This morning, the very words that Paul speaks about the Macedonians and speaks about the Corinthians, I want to speak to you about today. Because I believe that when we give to missions, I am drawing the best out of my church. I believe as the pastor that when I teach you not only to give to missions in the sense of giving, but in prayer and going and supporting, I am turning you in to the body of Christ that Jesus desires for you to be. I want to give you three examples today that are all based on Jesus that help us become missions givers in multiple ways. The first one is the example of our Savior. Paul uses this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. When you understand giving, Jesus is the ultimate example of what it means to give. I remember once being in a service, a men's meeting, and the speaker said to the guys, you know, Jesus has done so much for us, there's absolutely nothing we could do to thank him for what he's done for us. I was the guest speaker there. Picture it. I was the guest speaker, and that's how the person is introducing the service and introducing me. And I said to him, and it was my home church so I could get away with it, and I discipled this guy. I said to him, sorry, I need to correct you. Jesus has given us everything, and because he's given us everything, my way of thanking him is giving everything that I am and have back to him all over again. So when we say, oh, I've given, no, we have never given in the extreme that God has given to us. If we understand the very heart of God the Father, he gave his one and only son for us. Jesus left the riches of heaven and became poor so that you and I could be saved. And then the motivation of our heart becomes, Jesus, you gave it all, so now I, I'm giving myself in the offering. And what that means is the offering is my life, my talents, my time, my finances, all that I have and all that I am is a symbol of my thanks back to you. And so Paul evokes this in the church in Corinth. He says to them, hey, listen up. The church is in need in Jerusalem and you are not getting the memo. The church in Macedonia is really poor. They've got no money. They've got very little resources, but they have given generously of all that they have. Today, as we celebrate the Festival of Nations, I'm reminded of the many cultures that I have visited all over the world. One culture that stands out to me are the people of Serbia. Serbia was a war-torn nation. When I went there uh, 12 or 13 years ago, many of the buildings were still bombed, and, and shambles. And friends of ours that were Serbian took a friend and I out to dinner. They served us a plate of meat, and I mean it was stacked from top to bottom. They insisted on paying for our meal, and later that day I found out that the dinner that they treated us to was one month's worth of their income. Come on. The war-torn devastated, rebuilding country of Serbia knows a generosity and a hospitality that says to the guests that are coming, we are giving a month's worth of income to feed them a nice dinner. I was humbled, I was grateful, I was convicted. A.W. Tozer says the following, any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. Whether it is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. We have to understand that money, when it is used for the purposes of God, is holy and blessed. People say money is the root of all evil. No, that is misquoting scripture. The love of money is the root of all evil. And how do you know you don't love money? When you're not a miser, and when you're not only worried about you, and when you learn to give sacrificially to the cause of God at home and abroad. That is the good tester of where your priorities are at. My wife and I recently had a discussion while we were away to challenge ourselves yet again to up the ante when it comes to our giving. I don't say that to you because I am proud of us. We actually say it in humility because we were embarrassed of ourselves that we had not come to this decision sooner. You can never outgive God. We believe that every time we give, we are sowing into the resources and the kingdom of heaven. And what that means is we are actually getting a protection and blessing plan over our life and over our family. I believe that with every fiber of my being. The next thing that we need to learn that Paul points out to us is the attitude of the sower. He says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop and a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own minds that you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. I've said it and I've said it before and we've heard funny things. The Dutch are very good about giving of their resources to people. And when they give to missions, they give small amounts, but they will give them for 50 years. And so that's always a little bit of a funny kind of change up in the different cultures. But some people there would use the excuse to my wife and I, oh, I don't give to the church and I don't give to missions or missionaries because I don't do it with a good attitude. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm not cheerful when I give. One funny story that I love, from when we were very little, my mom always tried to instill in us this idea of giving. Even if we didn't have our own money, we were given dollars or coins, or if I sat next to my aunt, she'd give me even larger bills to throw in. And I didn't really think much of it because it wasn't my money, so I would just throw it in and not think anything of it. My mom was trying to teach this principle to one of her grandchildren, and she was in a full church service just like this. The offering plate comes along. She gives one of her grandchildren $3 to throw in, and he's all excited. But then when he realizes that the $3 are gone and have gone through the aisle, he screams out, they have my money. I want my money back. And I love that because it represents sometimes the relationship that we have with our finances, that giving is painful. There are moments when we are asked or called to give where it seems humanly impossible and it puts a dent in the checkbook or in the pocketbook. And that's not always a nice feeling. However, when you realize genuinely that God has given you everything and that you cannot outgive him, you become excited when you give and you realize that as you're giving, I always think when I give, I wonder how he's going to take care of me. That's what I always wonder. I always think, God, I am inspired and excited about the ways that you are going to give back to me. And therefore, I have learned to become A cheerful giver. I was not always a cheerful giver. I was a begrudging giver when I first started off giving. I didn't know the principles. My pastor was a big giver. Our church was very big in giving. When it came to tithing and missions, 99% of our members gave to missions and they tithe. And you'll say, what about the other 1%? The other 1% were Assemblies of God ministers who gave to the network and not to the church. We knew giving. It was woven into the fabric of who we are and my pastor would not relent until I learned the secret of giving. He was a little bit more brazener than I was. He would go up to people and sit with them after service and he would say, hey, God wants you and your money at this church. Come on. We raised so much money for missions. We raised so much money for the kingdom of God. We didn't think about finance because we had it in abundance, and we were able to constantly be a blessing. God loves a cheerful giver, and honestly, so do I. Tim Keller said the following, A lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. I want us to understand this morning that we can give cheerfully because everything that you have belongs to the Lord. Everything you have. Your car belongs to Jesus. Your house belongs to Jesus. Your job and your bank account belong to Jesus. Why do I say that? Because I have seen Christians who literally should have been bankrupt and failed that God provided for them every step of the way. I have seen non-believers that looked like they were blessed. They had 401Ks and retirement accounts with money from here to Tokyo. Yes, Tokyo. And the company went bankrupt. The stocks hit the bottom. And people went from being billionaires or millionaires to literally having nothing. When the company Enron fell, people were killing themselves because there was no money left for them to move forward. My trust is not in money. I love the fact that that is printed on the US dollar. We trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. Because every time you take that money into your hands, and we do that less and less nowadays, but every time you've got a bill in your hand, I want you to look on that bill that says, we trust in God. Because that bill will not save you. We realize that inflation can turn the American dollar into a a, a fossil fuel for us. It will only be worth wiping your butt or burning it at one point. Come on. But when God provides for you, it doesn't matter what country you live in, it doesn't matter what the rate of inflation is, because your God will supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory when you learn to give and give to the cause of missions. All that you are and all that you have belong to the Lord. And lastly, there is a blessing of surplus. Do you know that God wants to bless your socks off? Come on, who wants to be blessed? And I'm not just talking feel good blessed, I'm talking be blessed. in areas that seem like there's a mountain and a door closed, God is able to bless in abundance. But these are not my words, these are the words of Paul. Paul says the following in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 11. Bear with me, it's a good portion to read. It says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy and reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out. They never wear out. And get ready for this. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you cannot then give away. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise. To God. Paul is not joking when he writes this scripture. He sees the churches popping up within the Roman Empire and he sees the influence that giving and especially missions giving has upon the churches. If you have a pen with you this morning or your phone, I want you to quickly jot down 10 ways that Paul tells us, and I'm not gonna preach them, I'm gonna say them, 10 ways that Paul shows us how God blesses your socks off when you learn to give to the cause of missions. Number one, God enriches your church people on a personal and congregational level. As I said, who wants to be blessed? Come on, show me your hand. Who wants to be part of a blessed church? Show me your hand. I'll put two hands up for that one. Learn to give to missions. Number two, you will be blessed abundantly, and he uses the Greek word for all, which means in English all at all times. Every season you will be blessed. Number two. Number three, you will have all that you need. Number four, you will abound in every good work. Number five, you will be enriched in every way. Number six, your generosity will bring about more generosity. You know, pay it forward. Your generosity, number seven, leads to the worship of God, thanksgiving. Number eight. You'll meet the needs of God's people, which will overflow in thanks, which then produces double worship. Number nine, your generosity leads to a good gospel witness. Come on. When I am talking to non-believers and I tell them how generous you are here at Bethel, When we talk to business owners about Follow the Star and ask them about sponsorship, we first let them know that the first sponsors were people out of our own church. They said, are these people who own a company? I said, no, these are just everyday people. Some of them own companies, but they believe in spreading the love of Jesus during the Christmas season. And the company owner said to us, wow, that is amazing. Why? Because sometimes without realizing it, we think our giving is mediocre. But I'm on calls with Bristol and with the care network of Bristol. And once in a while, different organizations will talk about helping the community. And they're like, ooh, uh, as an organization, we have a great scholarship available. And I'm like, ooh, I'm interested to know what the scholarship is. And they're like, yeah, we have a $50 scholarship. I'm like, oh, wait, you people got to come to Bethel. And the charity organizations in the city of Bristol, they love Bethel because we always have and will always give extravagantly to the needs in our city. Come on. Coming up soon, we have the Thanksgiving drive. And as people come, they are thankful, they're happy, and we're able to share the love of God with people that are in need. As we help places like the Agape House or the shelter, St. Vincent de Paul, we do these things because the gospel is not only overseas where it's necessary, the gospel is needed right in our very own backyard. Are you ready for number 10? Generosity provides you with a prayer covering by default. What do I mean by that? Well, I know what it's like to be in need as a missionary. And I know when people have given to missions. Let me tell you the story about a little girl named Kayla. Kayla was adopted. When she was found, she was found in an abandoned home, acting somewhat animalistic. She was barely clothed, and she would go to the bathroom in the corner of the room that she was in. She was adopted by one of the pastors on staff at our church and everything I'm saying is public, so it's not a private story. And she was adopted by one of the pastors on staff at our church and Kayla was my little buddy when I served on staff. She was this vibrant little girl. She loved to ask me questions. She'd peek into my office to say hi and her mom would be like, leave him alone, don't bother him. And I'd say, no, let her talk for a moment, and then she'd skip along, and she would go play again. When I went to become a missionary, little Kayla was very sad that I was leaving. And so one time, I returned home. I needed to raise money again. I returned to the United States, and I am kidding you not. I did not have one single dollar on me. I didn't have a penny. I didn't have a coin in my cart. I went to my home church that Sunday, it was Mother's Day, and I thought, this is really embarrassing. I'm home for the first time, it's Mother's Day. I can't even purchase something for my mom. I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something. And all of a sudden, I get a tug as I'm waiting outside the church to be picked up. And little Kayla is standing with a Ziploc bag full of dollars. $5, $10 $5, $10 and coins. Everything amounting to over $120 that she had been saving up for when I returned home. That money got me a Mother's Day gift. That money got me through the moments that I needed in order to raise support again. Never underestimate the power of giving. But I want to tell you something that that little girl has been part of my prayer life her whole life. She is covered in prayer because of her generosity. Do I pray for people that give to me? No, that's not what I'm getting at here. I will never forget the generosity of those that blessed me as a missionary. I will never forget the generosity of those that have sown into my ministry and my life, and I pray earnestly for them. That is the power of generosity. It releases so many things, not only in your life, but in each and every one of our lives. It echoes the very words of Jesus. He says, "Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And second Corinthians chapter nine. Verse 19 through 21. Paul points out something very important here, and that is the reason why we base our missions giving not on the speaker. We base it on a certain amount when they come so that no one lacks any good thing. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 19 through 21, he says, you gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. But Paul is warning the church in Corinth that is that they liked the preachers that tickled their ears. They liked what the Corinthians were calling the super apostles. If you sow into my ministry, You will be blessed. You're going to get rich like I'm rich. You're going to have a house like I have. You're going to drive a car like I drive when you give to me. And we know those kinds of people are out there. And it appeals to our tickling ears. When the person begins to prophesy over us and tell us what a fantastic life we're going to have. Oh, the wallet start opening up. And I've been in church services like that. As long as the minister is ministering and tickling some need inside of me, then the wallet starts writing out a bigger check. But Paul says, because he's writing in light of giving, he says, those are not the causes we should be giving to. We should be giving to the silent cry of missions that serves us no personal benefit, but it benefits the very heart and mission. Of God that's what we should feel compelled to give to and so in closing today I want to use the words of John Wesley who was used as a missionary for New England he says do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can, as long as uh, you ever can. I'll read that one more time, just for fun. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can as long as ever you can. In the pews in front of you, and I'm being very deliberate, not for me, but for our missionaries, you'll see a faith promise card. I need you to grab that card for me. And if you don't have time today or you don't wanna do it today, but you wanna pray about it, I'm gonna harass you all month long. And I want everyone, if you have not given to missions or it's not part of your habit, I want you to learn. And I want you to start small if you need to. $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month. Don't go crazy, do something that you know you're gonna be able to do. And I want you to fill out that card and then you're gonna break off part of it. One part you give to us, the other part you keep to yourself, it is marked on the card. But for those that give to missions, I want you to learn the principle of missions. I have made a personal vow that every year I give more to missions. I don't stay at the same amount. Every year when I renew my faith promise, I bump it up every year by the same amount. As I said to you, my wife just recently challenged me and she said, oh no, we're going to be giving more than the faith promise card. I go, okay, as long as you're saying so. She said to me, why are you waiting for me? You could just tell me, let's do this. See, there are people in the world that have needs greater than you and I can ever realize. Today, as we go to the Festival of Nations, we are giving and yes, we are charging money. We're charging money, why? Because we are supporting missionaries. We're supporting the cause of missions to Japan that is flowing through Anna and Yotam. We are supporting BGMC, which is children's missions that gives all over the world. I'm helping uh, a fellow missionary, Judy Meng, with a project right now. Yes, in my spare time. And that project has to do with children who live on garbage dumps all over the world. And as I was doing research, I came against a figure that is making me sick to my stomach and I am asking the Lord, what do I do? The number of children between the ages of five to 17 in this world that live on a garbage dump are 17 million children. 17 million children live in a garbage dump. BGMC is not only worthy of my pennies, it is worthy of my checkbook. Come on, the cause of missions for the sake of children. Also, one of our very own that came up from our kids ministry and youth ministry, and now is in our young adults who serves faithfully in kids and in youth, Erica Sear. She is going on a missions trip to Mexico. Erica and her mother are not people that come to Bethel and take, take, take. They are people that have always given themselves for this body and Erica is going with her school to Mexico. I have three different important causes and you can say to me, pastor, that's too much. Oh, no, 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 no. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. The altar call today is not gonna give you the heebie-jeebies. You're not gonna get goosebumps, you're not gonna go, woo I want that to happen to you. As you give to missions, you might not feel a thing, but the person who receives it will. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for this mission service, and we pray that you would begin to move upon every heart. Lord, as people are filling out the faith promise cards, as people are thinking of what they can give to people like Yotam and Anna, what they can give to BGMC, what they can give to Erica as she goes to Mexico, Lord, we pray that you would make our giving in our hearts very large today. Lord, that we would follow the very example of our Savior, Lord, that we would be willing to follow Christ just as he was very giving. Lord, we pray for the attitude of the sower that does it gladly. Help us to learn to give and give joyfully today. And Lord, lastly, help us to understand that we cannot outgive you. That everything we give is going to be poured right back on us. Lord, bless every giver today as they fill out faith promise cards, as they give to BGMC, as they attend the Festival of Nations. Lord, as we give and give and give, pour it all back. Pour it all back. December's coming up. Lord, we need you to pour it all right back again. Pour it back into our lives. We ask you this in Jesus' name. The church said a hearty. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel.